Hello and welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We're a church in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada that exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Thanks for joining us today. Hey man, go ahead and grab your seats uh, as you're doing. Good morning and uh, welcome uh, Redemption. Uh, welcome to those of you watching uh, from home as well. Glad to have uh, you with us. Uh, just before we get into God's Word here, uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, as you've known, uh, as those of you who have successfully registered for uh, church this morning, you know that things have been filling up around uh, Tuesday morning, Tuesday sometime uh, for us, and so we've recognized the need to move to a second serv- uh, service stat, and so uh, we are going to do that very thing starting next Sunday. Okay, So next Sunday we're going to have two services available in person here at 9 and 11 a.m. We did this for, I think, a couple of weeks in the spring, uh, and then we're able to move back to one service during the summer. Uh, But just so you know, we've got two offered for you now. Uh, We never liked the idea of our service being full. And so uh, pray for us as we get uh, uh, those services covered off in terms of volunteers and leadership. Also want to make a quick mention that uh, Redemption Kids and uh, the ministry we've been offering now uh, for a little while here, that's only going to be available during the 9 o'clock service, okay, during the very first service. So if you've got young ones who... uh, uh, you want to get into the, into the, the ministry here, uh, keep in mind that 9 o'clock is going to be the, the slot for you uh, to be able to come. And so uh, grateful to have uh, people here and knocking down the door and uh, trying to get into here uh, God's word and meet with the Lord himself and God's people. And so this is, uh, we look at this as a blessing and a great thing uh, in the life of our church. And then uh, second thing, uh, not really a minor thing, it's a great thing actually, and that is uh, we have now uh, back our... Sunday morning playlists available to you uh, on Spotify and Apple Music, okay? So we've had, uh, we got new people come to the church, you're trying to learn the songs and get a feel for what we're about. Uh, we're going to have those available to you uh, on Thursdays, okay? Thursday uh, each week, so you can go over these songs and learn them and prepare your hearts, maybe crank them, pump them in the house in the morning as you're getting up and getting ready for church with your families and just preparing ourselves for worship here on Sundays. And so again, you'll find the links in that, but you can subscribe to those uh, to those playlists, and uh, those will get automatically renewed uh, each week. Looking forward to, uh, to having that as a resource for you. All right, well, if you would get your Bibles uh, set, get them open to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Hey, Philippians chapter 4 this morning is going to be our main text here. And as we know, uh, our series uh, is about becoming unshakable, okay, stable people living in, a, in an unstable world. Okay, as we witness you know, a sociological decline into greater depths of immorality and godlessness all around us, uh, it's only natural, I think, that, that Christ followers begin uh, to think more critically about how to handle ourselves well, how, how to function properly uh, in this world in a way that is spiritually healthy for, for us, uh, beneficial to other people in our church and in the world, and of course, honoring uh, to the Lord. You know, I, I don't think there's really any argument uh, out there against the fact that things like COVID and uh, the racism that, is, that has come to the surface in our culture, uh, the various types of protests that we've seen, uh, peaceful and not so much, uh, sexual identity issues, uh, shifting political values, things even recently like the Taliban 
uh, taking over in Afghanistan, right? All of these things have accelerated for us this acute awareness inside that our world is more volatile than ever. And it affects our peace, doesn't it? I think it does if we're honest about that. We're, we're anxious people. Right? So many of us are, are angry and, and angsty and irate and frustrated and annoyed. We're, you know, some of us are, are fearful. Where is this going? What, what, what's it all going to look like here for us? You know, and, and of course, we feel more variations of these things as we just kind of watch and view everything unfold in front of our very eyes. And so I think an important question, one that's maybe lurking in your soul is, you know, how, how do we obtain peace? How, how can my soul rest in peace? Okay, well, Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. Uh, I love this passage. I, I think it really lays out an action plan for you and I to follow uh, as we look for stability, okay, stability in volatile times. And so I want to read this passage Uh, For us now, follow along and then I will pray. Here's what it says it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Uh, Lord, we read that and our hearts are crying out, some of us just screaming out for peace. Lord, we uh, are very unsettled, I think, as a, as a nation and, and as Christians, Lord, as we look out and, and see what's going on in, in various different ways, Lord. And I know we've discussed how some of us will land on various sides of some of the current events and issues that we see, Lord, but... Lord, we can, we can really wrestle with a lack of, of peace and joy and comfort inside, Lord, but yet we see in your word here in this passage, your desire is to, is to draw near to us and give us peace, Lord. I pray that we would look at these verses here today and see the action plan that we are to, to pursue and to go after, Lord. I pray that we would do this from the heart. I pray that you would meet us in your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would settle us, that you would calm us, that you would give us joy, you would give us great deep faith in you, that we would trust you, Lord. I pray that you would use us powerfully in this world, Lord. I pray that the peace that we long for wouldn't just be about feeling more comfortable and more self-centered or more, more focused on self, Lord. I pray that that would not be the case, Lord, that we would realize that you are at work in this world, even when it doesn't look like it, according to our eye. Lord, that you have called us into your great plan, your redemption plan. Lord, that we would be excited and passionate about this. Father, encourage us, teach us, bring us along, I pray. Glorify Christ in and through us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, first thing then today, two things. But here's the first one. When the world is volatile and I lack peace, I will spring into action 
okay, going all in on rejoicing, reasonableness, trust, prayer, and gratitude. Now, there's a, there's a lot there okay, in that point. I understand that. Uh, but these are the, the things that Paul encourages you and I to, to latch onto, to grab hold of when we lack peace. Just take a look at the first thing here in verse 4 as we go through it. He says, rejoice. Okay, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, understand here that this isn't, you know, some empty call to, 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 to will yourself towards fake feelings of emotional positivity. Right? Just try and conjure up some, some warmth inside you. That's not what this is saying. Okay, keep in mind that, that all through Philippians, Paul speaks very openly, okay, very candidly, about the, the, the serious challenges that we're going to face in life. Hey, he himself, remember the context of this, he wrote this from prison. He's writing this letter to, to, to the church, um, encouraging them uh, from a cell. Okay? And, and yet his attitude, his attitude is, is, is to look, look through those challenges, to look past those challenges, if you will, to seeing the opportunity that this gave him, his difficulties gave him to proclaim Christ and the gospel. Do we see that in Philippians 1? He, he exhorts this church to remember Christ's example of humility, right? And, and imitate him and, and imitate others who have modeled faithfulness in times of persecution. That's Philippians 2. He reminds these believers that they're their righteousness, okay, it, is, it is given to them by grace through faith. That is where their righteousness comes from. That is, that is what they stand on. And he, and, he, and he challenged them to not give in to trying to earn their standing before God through the legalism of, of circumcision specifically. Okay? We don't perfect ourselves through, through moral behavior, Okay, that, that's not the way it works. Christ does okay, as a gift. That, that, that's where he, he is where our righteousness comes from. Yeah, that's all in Philippians 3. And then in Philippians 4, where we're camping out this morning, he's, just, he's unloading encouragement on them as, as he concludes his, his letter. Because again, I think that is so often what you and I need. How often, how easily do we get discouraged Right? We, we don't need to be berated and hammered. It's, you know, it's we need a word of, uh, of encouragement. And so he does so here by, by calling them to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's, it's repeated, as we've talked about many times, for the purpose of stressing the importance of celebrating the right things, right? Celebrating who Christ is and, and what he has done for us through the cross and resurrection, to, to, to rejoice and celebrate in what he purposes to do in our lives and through our lives as we live in the volatility of a world that opposes God at, at, at every turn. I mean, again, we already know how easy it is to become worked up, right? To become discouraged, like I said, to become angry, people to, to get stressed out and, and to, to fear or, or to complain about the world around us, about what's going on as all of these kinds of things impact us in various ways. 
Okay, but if you, if you stop and think about it, literally if you stop and think about it, we all have so much to rejoice in. Right? We, re- we really truly do. Okay, salvation being at the core of that, reminding ourselves of what God has done for us through Christ Jesus to rescue us out of sin, out of, out of wrath, out of judgment, and out of hell and bring us into a relationship with him. Again, it's all by grace. It's all a picture of God's love. There's so much, so much for, our, for ourselves to rejoice in. And again, it was just a couple of weeks back that we looked at Romans 1, right? And while how that is such a, a heavy passage, it's, it's about God's wrath against the, the moral and societal decline that happens as humanity rejects Christ it's actually strangely encouraging as we read it as well, I think, to know that God has led us in on, on how the world is going to go. Right? As people reject him, they're going to lose their minds and, and be unable to, to think properly. And they're going to you know, get engaged in all kinds of, of foolish nonsense. And so we, we don't need to wonder about or be confused about what we're seeing unfold in the world. It's that sin has done immense damage to people's ability to think properly. We don't have sound minds anymore. And because of that, we don't, we don't function, again, general society, we don't function in a, in a sensible and reasonable way. And it was just last week, of course, that we looked at Psalm 2, which shows us that, you know, while kings and, and leaders and governments, politicians, all of that, they'll all behave terribly at times. The Lord remains in control, right? He he remains unfazed by all of it. He sits in the heavens and he laughs. That right there is a massive cause for us to rejoice. Yeah, we might be kind of wringing our hands a bit here and and panicking and not sure of the future, but God's got it all. He's He's got it locked down. If you and I take even just a little bit of time, I haven't even spent much time right now doing this, but if we take the time to consider these things, who God is, what he's done, and what he's actually working to do, we can authentically rejoice. It's not fake. It's not a bunch of empty words. We can actually celebrate in times of great distress and, and volat- uh, volatility. Now, of course, we're just kind of getting started here in the passage. Okay, we're to go all in on rejoicing, but all in on, on other things too, like being level-headed, okay, being you know, clear-minded, calm, cool, and collected, despite, again, the the turmoil that our world is in. And verse 5 really shows us that. Take a look. It says, let your reasonableness, okay, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And I don't think it's a real leap to say that reasonableness, okay, sometimes translated in, in, in your Bible maybe as gentleness, but, but really it means to have a, 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 great, a gracious disposition, to be considerate. Again, I don't think it's a, it's a it's a leap to say that that seems to have all but disappeared in our world, right? Have you noticed that? Having a healthy, calm, respectful interaction uh, or, or debate about points of disagreement between us and other people, it seems to be a thing of, of the past, right? Using, using logic or, or rhetoric is, is an art form that, that really appears to be to be evaporating before our eyes in, again, in general society. And, and what's it been replaced with, right? Thinking clearly and, and being respectful and reasonable. Well, it's been, 
replaced by emotionalism. People sounding off on Twitter and, and wrecking each other on social media. It, it's, it's turned into immense anger and just speaking their minds and lashing out. It's turned into gaslighting and, and, and straw man arguments and other logical fallacies. Now more than ever before in our lifetime are reasonable Christians needed to, to, to engage respectfully with an unreasonable culture. Letting your, your reasonableness be known to everyone, as the verse says, involves having a biblical worldview through which we look at the current issues of our day. It, it means having a a certain level of emotional intelligence. Are you familiar with EQ, emotional intelligence, and, and, and being self-aware, being aware of, of your own tendencies and your own faults and, and, and those types of things, being able to control those things, being filled with the spirit, the spirit of self-control when you're, when you're in discussions with people and they're lighting you on fire and they're ripping you and they're doing all that. To be able to calm ourselves down again requires some serious emotional intelligence. And of course, that we walk by the power of the spirit. Galatians 5 talks about that. But before all of what I'm saying here becomes this like overwhelming burden to you. Like, oh man, I got to control myself. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm easily triggered these days. Okay, notice here how he says, the Lord is at hand. Look how he finishes that verse. The Lord is at hand. The Lord draws near to you and I intimately so as you and I engage with culture in reasonableness, in, in fair-mindedness. You're not on your own in any of that. Now keep going with me. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, anyone else besides me finding this one easier said than done? Yeah, like that's, that's a tough one. Okay, Oswald Chambers called anxiety. Now I'm talking about like regular everyday anxieties that you and I can have, not, you know, maybe the more mental health, chemical imbalance side of anxiety, more, more the regular kind of anxiety. This is what Oswald Chambers called. He called it an unconscious blasphemy, which is where, like, deep down, we struggle to truly trust God's goodness and his sovereignty, where we know up here in our minds that the right answer is to trust the Lord, but that, that head knowledge hasn't really trickled down effectively, where it's become experiential knowledge, where, where we truly and functionally exhibit, you know, out from us this profound soul trust in the Lord as you and I experience volatility. Yeah, but I think not being anxious about anything really links back to what, you know, we've already covered. You know, if you and I are genuinely rejoicing in the Lord always, that anxiety lifts. Right? Because true rejoicing you know, has to go hand in hand with, with trusting the God that you're rejoicing in. Does that make sense? I also think that not being anxious is connected with what the rest of this verse says, verse 6. He says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, so there's the, the emphasis on on prayer 
Okay, when, when the world is volatile and peace is lacking, prayer is paramount. It, it is. I mean, a prayerless church is essentially a church on life support where we become extremely vulnerable and, and susceptible to anxieties and, and, a, and a host of other issues because we're not, we're not drawing near to our source. You know, I, I think now would be an appropriate time for me to kind of jump in and plug our, our Tuesday morning uh, gathering, small gathering that we've been doing on Zoom as we pray. And, and, and for me, I don't know about how your week typically looks, but, but Tuesday is my, is my longest day, typically speaking. You know, it's staff meeting, it's, it's elders meeting, and, and, and maybe some meetings uh, between that. Um, and, and, it, and it's an early start for me, but I find myself coming away so buoyed by just praying and gathering together uh, with some people in our church and, and lifting up our burdens and our anxieties and our, and our challenges and celebrating the, the goodness, being thankful, being, being grateful uh, together. I love that. It sets the tone for my day. And so I just want to encourage you or, or to challenge you to, to make that a priority. And I, and I want to say in the same breath too, don't hear guilt tripping from me. Okay, I'm, I'm not doing that. If you can't do it because you're you know, on your way to, to work or, or what have you, like, don't sweat. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for, for not coming to this. I'm just saying it's, a, it's an awesome resource. It's available to us and as we see the importance of, of, of prayer, of supplication, of bringing our needs before God with thanksgiving and reminding ourselves of the gospel, of our, of our salvation and what Christ has done. In the, in the same breath as, as it's talking about the Tuesday morning prayer time, I know that I have been so encouraged on those Sundays that we've, we've concluded our service with prayer. You know, and you move into your groups and, you know, I'm getting my microphone off and I'm coming down off the stage and I hear the buzz that's starting to, to rise among, among you as you're lifting up your needs and you're celebrating the goodness of the Lord and we're gathering together. That, that's, that's when the church is powerful, right? It's awesome and, and I love it. We're expressing our neediness and and our gratitude to him, when we do that, he gives us that spirit-produced boost of joy and peace, right? the peace that we're looking for. And that's what we really see happen here in verse 7 as we go in on all these things, rejoicing, reasonableness, trusting the Lord, a prayer and gratitude. It says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What a line that is. It means that the peace of God supernaturally overcomes our various fears and anxieties and doubts and anger and all of those emotions that we have that threaten our peace. He overcomes that. Have you ever prayed or had somebody pray for you and your circumstance hasn't really gotten any better yet and yet you feel there's a stability? The Lord brings peace. The Lord draws near to you and encourages you. That's what this verse is talking about. Notice how it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, the heart and the mind, okay, often used kind of interchangeably, I think, in the scriptures, is where the war for peace is waged. Okay, your mind, your, your heart, that is the battleground as, as you're, you're longing and yearning for more peace in your life. And so think about it, what, we, what you and I think and believe in our hearts and in our minds is extremely important as we long for that protection, we long for that guarding that God's peace provides for us. 
You know, the next two verses really speak to this. It, it gets into this in a very powerful way. And so here is the second thing this morning. When the world is volatile and I lack peace, I will spring into action, setting my thoughts on all the right things as the Lord draws near. Okay, take a look at verse 8 with me here. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, okay, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about them. Now, you might remember, I wouldn't expect you to necessarily, but you might remember uh, that a year ago, uh, we did a series called Be Transformed, okay, where we really centered in on Romans 12, verse 2, and unpacked that over a number of of weeks, but Romans 12, verse 2 says, Be transformed by the renewal of your, of your mind. Exactly. Okay, and these verses here in Philippians played actually a big part in those messages, okay, in those sermons. The importance of how you and I think and what we think about simply cannot be overstated. Now, as a bit of recap for us, uh, you might recall that that every single one of us here ha has a soundtrack, if I can call it that, of, of certain thoughts and, and beliefs and opinions and attitudes, uh, lies and some truths that are running through our minds at all times. Okay, that's why uh, Paul Tripp says this. I love this quote. I think we have it on the screen for you. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one speaks to you more than you do. How good is that? Okay, now, now most of this speaking to ourselves, you know, this, this thinking, this, this belief system that plays on repeat over and over in our minds again, uh, happens in our subconscious. Okay, our subconscious, or, or deep down in your heart, your soul, if you can put it that way. Now, just a few stats here to help us understand a little bit of the biology, a little bit of the, the science here. Um, again, this might uh, ring a bell for you because we did look at this uh, about a year ago. Uh, this comes out of uh, some of the work that Dr. Carolyn Leaf has done. She's a, a neuroscientist and she's also a believer. Uh, her and many others have, have studied uh, what goes on in the brain, what goes on in our minds. And it's amazing what they've been able to learn just in the last 10 years alone as they feel like they're just scratching the surface of how God has actually made us and wired us. But here's a couple of, of stats. These are kind of wild. Okay, Your conscious mind, okay, so our conscious mind can process 40 bits of information per second. Okay, so think about that. 40 bits of information per second, that's that's quite a bit. That's our conscious mind. But get a load of this. Our subconscious mind can process 20 million bits of information per second. Okay, that is power right there. It just goes to show us how, how much more powerful the subconscious mind is and, and why it tends to control uh, so much of, of our life. Okay, our, our subconscious mind... Okay, so again, what we think about and what we believe way deep down there, 
um, controlled, get this, 95 to 97% of what you and I do in a day. They are subconscious mind controlling 95 to 97% of what you and I do, how we behave, what we think about, what we go after, what we're motivated by, all of that. You now listen to this. A research shows that 70% of the, of the average person's subconscious, okay, so their thoughts and their beliefs, are negative and redundant. Okay, 70% of, of just the average person in this room, their, their subconscious, subconscious thoughts are negative okay, and redundant, meaning over and over again. Meaning that, that most of us here, just the average person here in this room, think about and believe and are driven by, motivated by lies and negativity. Like lies and negativity. Again, 70% of our subconscious thoughts and beliefs are that way. And that junk, think about it, that junk is just on repeat over and over and over and over again all day. Okay, I don't know about you, but I find that equal parts fascinating and appalling. Right? That's, that's, that's crazy to think about. Now, if that's what the research is showing, and again, they're just scratching the surface on this. Can you see why? If that's what the research shows. Can you see why the Bible, why God himself, who is the creator of our minds, keep, keep in mind, right? Uh, conscious and subconscious. Can you see why he tells us here in Philippians 4 verse 8 to think about these things? To think that the importance placed on that to set our thoughts on the right things. Whatever is true, he says, truth is so important. Whatever is, whatever is honorable, just, lovely, pure, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Because he knows that the peace that we long for as we live in a volatile world is massively influenced by the quality of our thoughts and our beliefs deep down. And because you and I, we've all been affected by sin, our own sin, the sin of others, all of it. It means that a big part of our natural you know, or, or default thought process, our, our, our natural mindset and our default focus is largely negative and wrong. Okay, so, so whatever it might be okay, that causes you a lack of peace in this crazy world, an experience, again, whatever the emotions are that tend to rise to the surface and flow out of you, the anger, the, the, the fear, the anxiety, maybe just the jadedness of it all, instead, begin to think carefully, begin to think very critically about what is going on under the surface of my actions. Okay, so, so for example, if, if you tend towards being being fearful of, of all things COVID, right? If, if you're going to get worked up about that and what's going to happen in our world, am I going to get sick? And, and how is this going to affect my, my loved ones, my aging loved ones, my, my kids? And, you know, should we, you know, we should be wearing masks and why aren't those people, you know, doing their part to help? If, if that's the side that you tend to go down, or if you're, you're more on the other side of the equation, and, and maybe for you, you tend towards harshness or, or being really judgmental towards those who, who get the vaccine, for example, and, and you're hard on them. And why aren't they, you know, you know looking at the real evidence? And, and, and again, you go down that path. Regardless of, of which way we go on this, ask yourself questions about which 
belief systems you subscribe to deep down, subconsciously even, that leads you towards this lack of peace you experience? Start to ask some of those questions. Are your thoughts and beliefs in line with what is actually true and, and honorable and just and, and etc. right? The rest of that list, according to God. Is it according to that? Is it lining up with that? Beginning to identify where your deeply held thoughts and beliefs are, are, are off base okay, and, and anchored to lies specifically allows us to, to now, now start to re-anchor them to the right things, to the truths of Scripture. Now, verse 9 actually tells us very simply how to go about setting our, our thoughts on the right things. Look what it says. It says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Okay, so he's taught them lots. He's, he's modeled, you know, this list that he just gave them in verse 8. And so he tells them, practice these things. Right? Practice them. Literally practice thinking about the right things. That's where our, our, our Bible reading and the meditation on the scriptures and, and going over that, it's the scripture memory and, and things like attending church and sitting before uh, gospel-centered preaching and, and, and attending small group or going over these things together and having solid accountability relationships and things like listening to worship music where that is flooding our souls. All of, all of those things help so much. They, they really do because they get us in the practice of of thinking about all the right things. That's why we urge us towards all of it. I want to share with you just a couple of verses here uh, that have meant a lot to me and, and have impacted me, but just as a way to, to start to get you to see that it's not just Philippians 4 that talks about this or, or Romans 12. I've noticed over and over and over again the importance of setting our minds and our thoughts on the right things. So you take a look at Colossians 3, 1 to 4 with me. Notice what it says. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, okay, so if you're a Christian, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, or where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then look at this. Set your minds. Okay, there's the thinking. There's the beliefs, right? Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. Notice how it reminds us of our salvation again and our identity. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your minds on things that are above. The importance of thinking well. I've really been ministered to lately by the book of Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations 3 uh, particularly in, in the book of Lamentations. Many people believe that it was Jeremiah uh, who wrote Lamentations. And uh, if you've read that at all, you know that it's, it's obviously a lament. Okay? And, and he is pouring out his heart uh, about the, the judgment that, that God's people Israel has been receiving and how they've strayed so far. And he's, he's crying out to the Lord. And he's grieving. And, and, and he talks about tears. He actually says in a verse there, my bile is poured out on the ground. He is, he is physically sick. He is ill because of the sin of God's people. But then in verse, or in chapter 3, verse 21, it all turns around. Notice how he does it. Okay, he's in a dark place. He says this. He says, but this I call to mind. He's like, my emotions, my anxiety, my fear, my frustration, it's all there at the surface. It's all coming out of me in gross bodily function ways. 
He's like, but, but here's what I do. But this I call to mind. I'm remembering what's true. I'm thinking, okay? And therefore, notice, I have hope. And he just locks it in. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Like, this is what I'm going to cling to. This is what's true. This is what I'm going to center my mind on. His mercies never come to an end, ever. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's not feeling it emotionally, but he calls to mind this. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. He's like, I'm, I'm ministering to my soul right now. And I'm going to get my place, myself to the place where my soul believes this and is saying this. Therefore, I will hope in him. Listen, there, there was such a, a, a huge turn, uh, turnaround, turning point in my approach as a Christian when I sh- made a shift from, from reading the Bible to learn new things. Okay, now I'm not saying that I, I've learned everything about the Bible, okay, just to make that really clear. But I just changed my approach a little bit. I've, I've read the Bible. I've, I've, I've read all the different passages. And I, I think I have a decent grasp of, of what it's about. But I, I made the shift from reading the Bible to learn new things to reading it for the purpose of reminding myself of the things that I already know but easily forget. Because that's what we do. We're forgetful. Our minds get off of the scriptures, off of what's true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable and pure and lovely and excellent. It gets off of those things. What we set our minds on is a massive indicator of whether or not you and I will experience peace. And the rest of verse 9 here indicates that. As Paul says, that as we think about and practice thinking about the right things, look what it says. It says, the God of peace will be with you. How good is that? Notice how it's not just peace from God that he will give you, though he does. Right? Verse 8 said, the, 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 called it the peace of God. But it's not just that. He says, the God of peace himself will be with you. Okay, what, what grace that is for us. What, what, what comfort to those of us who are weary. What joy to us living in volatile times. Listen, as I invite the worship team uh, back up on the stage now, Uh, Remember this action plan. Remember these verses here as you fight for, claw for, cling to peace in the crazy world that we live in. Let's pray. Now after we pray, we're going to sing a song and then there's a family chat. So I encourage you, especially if you're online, to stick around for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your kindness to us. We thank you for our, your incredible mercy, uh, your incredible grace, Lord, how you uh, provide us with peace. You provide us uh, comfort uh, for our souls uh, when it is tum- uh, tumultuous inside. Lord, we thank you that, that you are a rock, God that the righteous can run to you, our, our strong fortress, uh, fortress, and find safety, find protection. Lord, I pray that as believers, uh, we would learn to um, handle ourselves in these ways, 
Lord, I pray that you would be immensely um, gracious to us and, and pour yourself out for us, Lord. Show us your glory. Show us your goodness. Use our weaknesses to humble us, God, and to show us your greatness. Lord, we know that the days are evil and, and life can be pretty dark sometimes. And so, Father, I pray that you would um, continue to transform our church and make us into the image of your Son. Lord, encourage us along the way. Lord, I pray.